Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the afternoon news on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Monday, 205, Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Hey, Jalen. I hope this is like riding a bicycle. I. I'm going to hop back on and try and remember how to do this. I feel like I haven't been around much. Well, you haven't been. Well, that's probably why I feel that way. <laughs> I actually parked in uh, visitor parking out in the uh, Ched parking lot. Were you only here for a couple of hours? Well, that's what I thought. You know, like, I, hey, I could argue that I really am just a drop-by guy around here. But from this point on, here... Mostly, I was so impressed, and I just have to say that oh. you know what I'm, I'm going to give you a compliment, Andrew Gross. How so? Was the the fact that we had a staff meeting today at noon, yeah. and I was almost a hundred percent sure that you weren't going to make it. Well, you know what's a funny thing because I did think about that, of course, um, but I'm two hours ahead in Cancun, so a twelve o'clock meeting is really two in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so I was awake quite early this morning, and I, and I thought, you know what? Why not drop by and surprise the troops? <laughs> I don't not I don't dislike meetings. Well, yes, I actually do, but the meetings here are quite. Sid runs it. Licky, Sid runs a good quick. good meeting. Licky, yeah, split quick. Done. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you and have an opportunity to visit a little bit before we started getting into show prep. Yeah. So all of that happened. That's good. Very good. Um, <laughs> you had a good trip. It was a good trip. Yeah, how could not? It was Mexico. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you about something? Sure. You tweeted something last night about Sticky Icky. Yeah. And then I Googled Sticky Icky because yeah. I didn't know what Sticky Icky was. Nor did I. Um, and now I know what Sticky Icky was, so I guess someone wanted you to buy some of this? You know, it's an odd thing. We go to Mexico. We have gone to Mexico every year for the last four, I think. Yep. Um, it's just become, like many people's... Your place to go. Their annual place. We pick a different place every time. This year I was blessed and fortunate to be able to get two Mexico trips in because we had Watulco with our listeners and then this trip already planned with my family. Cancun is a more... I don't want to say industrial. It's a more developed city than those that we've been in before. It's not a quaint little Mexican town or village. It's a city. And they're very aggressive in Cancun, the merchants. Mm. Uh, and you know you know they are anyways, the guys who walk up and down the beach that have the stands yep, in the marketplace. Sure. But this is over-the-top aggressive. And we had... It doesn't spoil the trip, but it does, you know, get on your nerves after a time. You cannot basically walk on a street without being approached every two seconds to buy something, something. do something, get tickets for this. But this guy... I, I was in what they call Market 28, and even that's a bit of a lie. There's a place called Market 28, but everyone who is not in Market 28 knows that tourists want to go to Market 28. So the area surrounding Market 28, everyone names their store Market, Market 28, 28. Okay. right? So you're, you, I'm walking along this street, and I asked somebody where the banyas, the, the washroom, mm -hmm. and he down a back lane. And so I tell the other three, okay, I'll be right back. And, and I don't recommend going down the back lane of any city. Mm -mm. Like, I, I wouldn't... I'm cautious going down a back lane in Edmonton. Absolutely. But, you know, so down I go this back lane in Cancun, and I can't find the washroom, but I find this guy who is, like, sort of having a store. Like, he's got, like, a, 
a place where a store would go, but there's really nothing much on the shelves. It, it actually kind of looks like a bachelor's apartment. Like there isn't two of anything. He's just got a few statues here and there. And I ask him for directions, and he goes, "Oh no, no use mine. Use you know." Oh. I'm like, "Okay." And he says, it's at the back of the store. And like, okay. So I go, and this store's quite deep. So I go to the back and, and to the store, uh, of the store. And there's a lady lying on the floor sleeping at the back. And, and we're now not even near shelves anymore. Like, this is just an abandoned thing. And there's this one door, which I assume is the bathroom. And I go in there. It's a tiny little bathroom. No seat for some reason. A lot of bathrooms in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. So I, I do my business. But while I'm doing that, um, I hear the big metal door go down. Um, you know, that would that would close at the end of the night, like that big screen metal door, yeah, right? Yeah. I hear that crash down. And I honestly thought, oh, I'm, I'm about to get robbed. <laughs> so I come out, and the guy's standing there with another guy, and they're no longer friendly. Would you like to buy, um, you know, a statue, Mexican people? They're now, he's aggressive and angry. He's like, you have to pay for the washroom. You have to pay for it. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, water isn't free. Like, you have to pay for it. And I'm like, well, I'm not paying for it. But I'm now in a room, basically. You're locked in a room with right. two. Yeah. I, I have to get by these two guys to try and get out of this place, out of the, the little door to the side of the big door. I said, well, I'm not paying for it. And the guy's like, okay, well, we'll make a deal. And I'm like, I, I don't want a deal. And, and he's like, what do you want? What was it called? Sticky? Sticky Wiki. He goes, you want Sticky Wiki? And I was like, do I want one? Sticky Wiki. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we just ate. Which confused them. <laughs> but I don't you picture like a some kind of candy bun? or a yeah, something. coffee or something? Yeah, the guy's got to be making money somehow. Maybe it's in confectionery. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, so I'm like, no, I, I just ate. And, and then I, I keep moving. Like, I don't stop. Keep moving towards this little door. And the guy, he's like, no, no, no. Like some bud. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I'm, I'm like, I'm now just the most middle-aged guy in Mexico. I'm, I'm such a dad. I'm like, what, bud? And he goes, yeah, bud. And I go, yeah, we're buds. And he's like, no, bud. Bye, bud. And I'm like, oh, drugs? And I said it like really loud. Drugs? <laughs> yeah. I'm like the worst deal. I could never make a living buying or selling drugs. And, and he was, he's like, well, yeah. He goes, I always said, oh, no, I don't do that. And he goes, well, blow? Do you want some blow? And I was like, no. no. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> goodness. Goodness gracious, no. I'm like, I just want out of here. He goes, well, then pay for the washroom. And I just kept going. Like, I just blew by the guy and then I came back out of the back alley and the guy who had directed me down the back alley he's like oh did you find it and I was like the washroom and he goes yeah and I go well I found our washroom he goes yeah not that alley that alley oh. <laughs> yeah. he goes don't go down this alley apparently they're all selling drugs down that alley I had no idea but yeah so it was a little <laughs> I had to google it too like I, I asked the kids and alarmingly, they knew. both of them knew. But it's a type of marijuana, so right. it's a type of pot, right? Yeah, but no idea. Yeah, you know, and that happened to us really in New Orleans once. Happened to Coach, and we were at a club up on Frenchman Street. Coach and I do not look like the type, I do know, we? I know, like, how does that happen? I don't know. And he's in the guy's bathroom. Wow. Again, it's in the bathroom. And some fellow was like, hey, Ben, Jim's like, hey. And the guy <laughs> says, yeah, is it snowing in here, man? And Jim's like, what? what? Is it snowing in here? <laughs> now, my husband also was a bouncer in clubs for many yeah. years. He got a pretty good idea. And when he realized what was going on, he's like, no, 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 man, I'm good, right? You're good. <laughs> but you're in a 
in a club in a bathroom again, yeah. and, and you just don't know. And he's like, yeah, okay, i got to get out of here. Right. right. This is where you start to miss the guy selling blankets, because at least <laughs> all he wants to do is negotiate. You want my braided bracelet? Because I'll take one of them. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. exactly. Can I get something with my name on it? That'd be... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just feel like so stupid afterwards. Just, oh, I think I just blew a but drug think, deal. But I think what happens, it's a, it's a really good reminder about how quickly things can go sideways. Well, and it doesn't matter where you are. It could be, it could be yeah. here. It could be Mexico, New Orleans. It could be Saskatoon. It doesn't matter. That's right. And then you and you have this blind trust. Yeah. I think it's blind trust. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking at one point my alarm bells would have been ringing Andrew Gross if, I, if they said, oh, yeah, just down that alleyway. I would not have gone down a, an alley by myself. I really had to go. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, my judgment was off all week. <laughs> <laughs> Listen like like he's never said that before. Yeah, exactly. My, no, my radar was simply not working. I wanted to get Hunter a sign that said Cancun, uh, uh, like a wooden sign yeah. that he could just put on his bookshelf because everywhere he goes, he gets a little, a little something. something. And for us, I wanted a, a fridge magnet. Hard to find in Mexico. That's sarcasm. But I wanted a particular kind. It has to be the kind that's all colored, like, you know, five different colors okay. spelling out Cancun. And I went to, I found one at this place. And this guy, like they do, is trying to negotiate with me. And he starts ridiculously high, like the equivalent of 17 bucks Canadian for a magnet, right? And I'm like, no. And I tell him what I'm willing to pay. And we go back and forth. And I eventually get him down to, and I don't really want to negotiate. I, I often don't negotiate because if I'm not going to negotiate for an hour and cheat this guy out of a yeah. buck, but I'm just not going to pay 17 bucks for a fridge magnet. So I get him down to like two bucks or something. This is an awful story. I get him down to two bucks, I think, the equivalent of. <laughs> And I, I said, well, that's what I'm willing to pay. You don't have to put it in a bag or anything. I'll put it in my pocket or I'm walking away. And he goes, all right, senor. He goes, you have a beautiful daughter. He goes, I tell you what, I, I'll give it to you for this price. And and I hug your daughter. Oh. And I went, sure. I, I didn't even ask Maddie. I'm like, yeah, no, that sounds like a good deal. Uh. He tried to slip her the tongue. Like he grabbed her and tried to. Did uh, you punch him? I was so shocked. Did and, she punch him? Well, to be honest with you, I was distracted because I was looking at the fridge magnet. But she like just like pushed him away, and and he laughed, and she sort of laughed, and and then we sort of walked away, and then and she's like, "Dad, did you see that?" Yeah, Maddie's like, "Dad, you just—I can't use the word she used. Yeah, me out." For a fridge magnet, and I go, well, it's the kind your mom likes. I mean, I'm, but I felt really bad about it afterwards. You should feel really, you should feel really <laughs> over bad a about fridge that. magnet. Yeah, it's the art yeah. of negotiation. It's the art of the deal. No, you know what? Um, yeah. you, the, your daughter's not included in the deal. Well, not moving forward. That'll be a rule, and mm -hmm. and it's got to be a much bigger deal than a magnet. I mean, and she mm -hmm. certainly could have said no. But I blame myself. No, don't even. I blame myself. She didn't. She shouldn't have been put in a position where she had to. 16 minutes in, and I'm giving you the, I know. the look. I feel like I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> News when you need it. Fun when you want it. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad. <laughs>
It is uh, 2.20. Andrew back in studio this afternoon coming up just after the 2.30 news. Uh, producer Kelsey is going to be joining us in studio. She was, uh, I want to say trapped in the Arctic, but she was pretty much trapped in the Arctic for the past week. She was. And if you didn't, uh, if you're not friends on Facebook or don't follow her uh, Facebook account during that uh, that experience, you, you were missing out. And yeah. I would recommend you go back and, and read it. We were actually reading it almost like a daily newspaper yeah. down in Mexico. It was very entertaining because we were in Cancun and she was She's in the Arctic, <laughs> but unable to get out of there. It was really, yeah. it was well-written and interesting. It was that whole exercise that I was supposed to go yes. on on the Thursday and it ended up getting, you know, all jam-packed on the Friday. And so it was up and back in one day, little time on the ground, but on, on the time with the on the Hercules with all the soldiers and stuff like that. Well, Kelsey went up on the Saturday. She was supposed to come back on Monday, but ended up not getting back till Friday because of a series of circumstances. So she had a week in the Arctic, <laughs> which turned out to be an incredible experience sure. uh, for her. So she's going to join us and tell us all about that uh, uh, coming up. Well, I'm I'm looking forward as well to reading her uh, TripAdvisor review on that because that's <laughs> that's not going to be good. Let's get to that just after three o'clock. Yeah, I want to talk, talk about, about that as well. That. And there was another story too from last week that I saved, um, and it's about Air Canada wanting the right to share traveler information with other airlines. So if you're a crappy mm. uh, traveler, if you've been a, a bad client on the on the plane, if something has happened, they want the ability to share it with other airlines. And there's a level, like really? code one, two, three, four. Like, are, are these like security type concerns? Like they've... If you've caused Your grief, conduct has been... Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I thought that might mm. be uh, interesting as well. So we'll do that after three o'clock. Uh, wondering if you've ever had one of those um, awkward evening out well, yeah. I, know you, I know you probably have. <laughs> well, I, I typically create them, but th- I'm not involved in this one. Well, this wasn't, it wasn't awkward. It's just one of those, oh my God, that just happened. Tell me. Moment. <laughs> we had uh, gone out uh, over for dinner. You and Coach? Me and Coach uh, over to dinner to some friend's house. And I mean, I've, I've known, you know, these well, at least one of them for like 16 years. Like, oh my gosh, I finally get invited to his place for dinner. This is awesome. You're right? starting to narrow it down a little bit. Known for 16 years, it's a guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it wasn't anyway, me. Anyway, we had uh, we get there, have a wonderful, you know, we have drinks and, you know, we're chatting. Or it's, it's just lovely. Just lovely all the way around. Sit down for dinner. Okay, this is great. Beautiful steaks come off the barbecue oh. and, you know, potatoes and, and carrots and asparagus. Nice. There's wine. There's water. Everything. It's just beautiful. And then uh, we were passing around the, the platter of meat and... Um, the, the, the host went to put it down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and it caught the edge of the water glass. And the water glass was like, oh. So the water glass is now coming towards me. It's doing that slow. You see yeah. it in slow motion. You know, you see that lemon is going to go flying against that wall. <laughs> there was lemon? Good thing this I was a high pants end. on because, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's going to be easy cleanup. But the water, it, it started tilting, tilting, tilting. And what do I do? I <laughs> across the table. You and dove? Pretty much. And pushed it the other way. The water or the meat? The, the water. Okay. And pushed it the other way. Oh, no. So now it's gone. The, this water's all over the dining room table. Oh. <laughs> all over I was hoping the you were outdoors doing partner, this. Oh. Right? All over her table, all over her plate, all over her. 
Was there alcohol involved in this at all? Not at that point. Okay. No, no, no. We'd had a glass of wine sure. or two. But it Couple was just of one of those, oh, I can't believe that just <laughs> happened. One of those, you know, it, again, it's just one of those social blunders. And I know it happens, <laughs> but it just hadn't happened to me. <laughs> and and it was just, there was just water all over the place. And the host is, you know, he's he's getting out paper towels and he's trying to... <laughs> and you know, you waited 16 years for this invitation. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not getting invited back now. <laughs> yeah, you're going to... Never. You're, you'll be retired by the time they invite <laughs> you back again. It, 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 it Everyone has done that, right? But, it, but I know, I... The other day, somebody I was with was talking with their the hands, hands and, and it just goes. Glasses went everywhere, right? Oh, my god. It's goodness. even awkward when you get hit because you try and Don't make out, it. like, oh, it's no big deal. It's fine, right? But yeah. you got, like, now you got wine up your, yeah. 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 Well, and the thing was, and it, that was the, the whew, at least it wasn't wine. At least it wasn't the, yeah. the red wine. But, yeah, it was all down the front of me and my pants, and then it was all down the front of <laughs> You know, it's even worse. Table. It's just like, oh, at, at least at a private restaurant. I mean, residents, you you know, okay, we all know what happened. We all know when another we things are going to be okay. Yet. When that happens at a restaurant, that's the worst. When you've got a big water stain down the front of your pants, that is the worst. They're waiting for the table. You're waiting for a dryer. You know what I mean? It's like I would leave. But I can't, I can't do the walk of shame to the front. That that happened once before, um, <laughs> when Global sent me to France to cover the opening of the Juno Beach Center. My camera guy and I stopped for lunch, and we're out on this little patio that had those, you know, the little plastic, the little plastic um, chairs and yeah. tables that you know your butt can barely fit in. <laughs> well, all right. So there's wine glasses, and it's windy. You're you're right. That's relative, there. but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some people's butts will fit in the. Some fine. people are. Wouldn't yeah, okay. Oh, now saying. we're all right. I'm just saying, you know. No, no, no. Yeah, relate. no, for sure. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Day one, right to my weight. Okay. <laughs> and a seagull went over and <laughs> pooed on my head. Oh. Right? That's good luck, they say. It is good luck. But then I think as, as, I w- as someone was reaching up to try and help me, they spilled... It's France, so there's there's wine on the table, and I had a pair of brand new cream-colored linen pants <laughs> oh, on. Of course you did. <laughs> the camera guy, the table just went. <laughs> so I get up, and I have I look like I've been shot. I have just red wine all the way down these cream-colored pants that now I have to wear for the rest of the afternoon at a, at a service commemorating <laughs> Juno. Really. It was the day before the service. All right, perfect. But I was still, you know, going to... But yeah, I was, are you joking me? So walking back into the hotel, I've got bird crap in my hair. <laughs> Who's, uh, oh, that's Global. Yeah, that's Jalen <laughs> from Global. You know her. Hey, speaking of Global, ran into uh, Quinn Oler in the Cancun airport. How does that happen, eh? You know, yeah, it was just odd. I, I heard Andrew... Andrew and I, I turned there. And thinking, oh, it's the guy from the back alley again. That's what I thought. Quinn Oler on vacation down there. What are the odds? Eh? Mm. I guess pretty good. People yeah. go to Cancun in February. Well, but we ran into Jesperson. That's right too. It becomes over, such yeah. a small world, doesn't it? it? Does. When there's a seat sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is the truth. That is the truth. Um, heads up, you know, it's been gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous weather over the last little bit. I know a lot of you have been checking out the Ice Castle down at Harlech Park, and apparently it's just been packed and it's been sold out. Absolutely gorgeous. Never made it down. Um, slightly. That's got to be winding up. Well, I'm just, yeah, they've, they've announced that they were hoping to go to March, but it has been, tonight's last night. Oh no! Tonight is the last night. So if you've had if you have tickets pre booked for any um, other night, you can go tonight. Otherwise, you'll get a free refund. But the uh, the warm weather is just um, 
Causing some grief yeah. down there, unfortunately. Again, they were hoping to go to March, but tonight will be the last night. Well, it's lovely to be back, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Kelsey Wing Garrick. And it's lovely to have this weather. I was out on the deck, as I do before shows. I was quite enjoying it. It didn't seem to be shockingly cold, and it's not, which is good. And it's supposed to stay that way all week. So. It is up to like 8 degrees by That's Friday. Right. Nice. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad. Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. You know, sometime today, uh, this afternoon, I also want to talk about this uh, Picton book that's uh, come out, serial killer Robert Picton, mm. publishing a 144-page book, uh, apparently full of spelling errors and grammatical problems and claiming his innocence. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's quite a story, and as to whether or not a prisoner should be able to Profit off profit or even release a book for that matter while incarcerated and how it was done and how he managed to do it Yeah is uh, interesting and who's selling it so we'll get to that this afternoon Kelsey Wingarek stepping in studio Oh, hello. <laughs> hey, Kelsey. So uh, I don't even know where to begin with this uh, the last I sp- you and I spoke you were headed to the Arctic that I you had come back from somewhere tropical you were headed to the Arctic for three days Yes, I was supposed to be there for three days. <laughs> what happened? Embedded with the Canadian Armed Forces. Jalen, you obviously yeah. had the opportunity to see. I think it was probably the most exciting part of, of their exercise up there. Yeah, they, they split the, the media availability for Exercise Arctogram really into two segments. And so the segment that there was the Thursday, Friday, so you would fly up, you would witness the paratroopers getting all ready, geared up, which was fascinating. And then they open the doors and they all jump out, which was mind blowing. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, but Mine got pushed to Friday because there was a blizzard there Thursday night. Friday we took off, and 20 minutes into the flight, the window pane in the cockpit cracked. Well, guess what? You can't fly to the Arctic with a cracked window. So we had to turn around, come back. That added three hours to the trip. So the amount of time that we ended up getting to spend on the ground in Resolute was actually 40 minutes compared to four hours, which was supposed to happen. Had we gone the day before, we would have had the full day, stayed overnight, come back the next day. So everything got jammed into one day. Now, the second opportunity was to go up on the Saturday, fly pretty much all day Saturday, spend the day on the ground on Sunday, and come back on Monday. But along that, and that's what Kelsey did. Yeah. In and theory. then along the way, In theory. Yeah, I, one I'm, thing happened after another. I, I made up for your lack of time oh, on the man. ground. I, uh, it's funny. I, I remember we had some sort of a researcher on that talked about that part of your brain when you think you're going to die, you know, if, if your plane starts falling, whatever. In, in my head, like a switch went, and I think I have some form of PTSD where I actually truly believed I now am a resident of Resolute Bay, none of it, uh, because we just kept having aircraft delay after aircraft delay and it, you know your stomach started sinking more and more and I don't know how much you know about the history of Resolute Bay a little bit that's how they that's how they established the bay in the first place right it was they it, kidnapped it people, was forced basically. relocation right. and I was like holy crap I'm a part of the government's grand plan to, <laughs> to, to grow the population um, what originally happened is uh, all of the other Alberta reporters did get home on Monday but uh, one of the soldiers from Winnipeg had uh, death in the family 
family and they just they kind of asked if anyone would be willing to give up their seat on the chartered flight and I was supposed to then come back Tuesday morning so I'm like I'll only miss half a day of work and then uh, because of some mechanical problems with their giant aircraft called the Globemaster um, I ended up being there a full seven days instead of one full day. There was that and then there was freezing rain delays and, yes. and everything but having said that I mean she got the full meal deal experience so forget about you know flying up and that taking you 12 hours to get there once you got there and were on the ground I mean I, I don't even know where to begin with this. It's funny how much the story in my head has changed because I knew I was going to have to come back in and have a full debrief. Going into it I actually worked myself up to the point of being really nauseous before going up there because all I could think about was a warning one of their top dogs one of their sergeants gave me um, about having to go to the bathroom out on the ice in front of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. There's there's no indoor plumbing in the middle of a frozen lake in the Arctic. So There's no real trees or so, anything no, around, there right? There is so. zero vegetation. It's just, it honestly, it feels and it looks like the moon, like you are walking on the moon. So all I could well, wait think a second. about... Isn't there trailers and stuff? I mean, no. They parachuted in with, and all they had with them was what they could carry in their rucksack. But how did you get there? I flew in. Um, we had, at the Arctic Training Center, they had a full mess hall. They had bunk rooms. They oh, even had go. a gym. They had a theater in there. The infrastructure was actually phenomenal. But just think about the challenges of building that sure. in those kind of temperatures. Um, so I still couldn't go back. Once you're out on the ice, like we had planned to be out there for eight hours. And all I could think about was what it would be like to have 90 soldiers watch me go pee. Because you can't... So what did you do? I didn't have to go. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and, and that's one of the tricky things, too, though, is because you can become dehydrated very quickly in the Arctic. So you have to make sure that you're drinking a lot of water as well and and have that whole balance out. I was given, they, they told me, some people told me, former soldiers said, you might want to invest in a... In a shiwi, I bought one of those. Did you to yeah. help you go to the bathroom? Yeah. I guess kind of standing up, yes. right? Okay, so. for those of us who weren't spending a week in the Arctic, what's a shiwi? Um, I think they're popular with female campers, hikers. Uh, it's basically this little contraption that you hold to yourself, and it it helps you pee. You pee through this little tube. And so it's, it's more and, like standing up for a So you can boy. stand up. You don't have to squat. Um, yeah. and, and you're able to just open kind of a zipper of your, your Arctic pants. And uh, it's supposed to be a little less obvious. Uh, I, it, you yeah. can understand my anxiety now. Well, I like, just learned I'm, something. I'm going to pee all over myself. I'm going to have my bare butt out in, in the cold. And they said not to expose any bit of skin. Um, you know, and that that's a serious thing up there. I kept saying, did you, as I was going up there, did you know you can get frostbite in two minutes? 35 seconds is what it was taking to just get frost nip. And you kind of just got used to your your fingers. My fingertips are still haven't fully regained feeling. Like my fingertips and my toes were tingling the whole time. And they just kind of permanently hurt because of the cold. It didn't matter how many layers. And how cold was it when you were up there? I was keeping an eye. It was like, I think minus 30, minus 35, but then the wind chill, right? Yeah, it was about, yeah, anywhere between minus 35, minus 42 is where it kind of sat yeah. while I was up there. Um, where we slept in the Arctic Training Center to where the actual training center where I went to like actually use a satellite phone, it was approximately like 250 feet away. Um, but one night the wind was blowing so hard, it was about minus 63 with the wind chill, and it felt like I was walking for hours. I thought I walked past the building because it was so cold, you were counting every second and you could feel your face going. At that point, my eyelids had actually frozen together and I felt my way through the door and I had to just kind of stand inside the building until I was able to open open my eyelids again. Hey, can I ask a really dumb question? Why would you go there? <laughs> <laughs> no. What are they training for? 
I mean, what mission will involve them being in those circumstances? Yeah, this this exercise is specifically to show our readiness as like the Canadian Forces' readiness to go up there should anything happen. This specific exercise was um, about a downed satellite, and it had obviously top secret information. Ah. So they had to go there and collect it up, get rid of all the debris, that sort of thing. Um, you know, if an aircraft goes down, down, if someone tries to invade, right? We're still trying. It was all about Canadian sovereignty yeah. and, and showing that we are able to protect Well, if somebody it. tries to invade through the north, good luck. I mean, based on what you've described, I could understand the other two things. And we need to get Showtime back up and orbiting if possible. But but it was interesting because the paratroopers, so the first the first bit is the paratroopers jumping in and, and um, going into the drop zone, right, to the area where this satellite is, and then making their way to it, securing it, setting up huh. their tents, their whatever, making snow walls, making igloos to sleep in, yes. snow huts to sleep in. I mean, they were pretty much out there for the majority of the time that um, they were up there. It was not like they got to go sit in a a heated warm tent for eight hours a day. They were out there doing their thing. And then what happened was they were turning it over to the Canadian Rangers, right? The Canadian Rangers were there to support them. They they marked out the right paths to take that, yeah. that would have the least resistance. And surprisingly, if that's over the ice, they tried to go over all of the water bodies if possible because it actually freezes a lot smoother than than the land, which makes sense. But that's one thing about the landscape is because it's all so white. There's no dirty snow there. There's nothing to show you like, oh, we've traveled a kilometer or we've traveled 60 kilometers. It all looks know. the same in either direction. You don't know. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of big ridges and that you wouldn't even see them there. That was one of the funniest things that happened and I got to jump in. It's called a BV-206, and it's this really weird tractor thing that runs on, it's like snowmobile tracks. And we drove the general, who is like the top guy for the for the Canadian forces in the West. We were dropping him off to get picked up by an aircraft, and then we came to come back, and we're like, holy crap, they moved the camp. <laughs> it suddenly disappeared. <laughs> and it's it was bizarre, and the guys were kind of trying not to panic in front of me that we're driving the thing. And then they said, one second, got to check something. So they kind of kept driving a little bit, and then suddenly the camp camp like appeared as though it was there all along there was just one little ice ridge but you couldn't tell that there was you know anything to it so when you were talking with with the soldiers and i know you ended up having a lot of time to sit and talk with the soldiers um and you know had a little time on the plane to do it and they were all gearing up and trying to get naps in while they could and you know that adrenaline pumping through them as as they were jumping out i know i one guy one person didn't jump they they just got too much oh really i didn't hear that and but when you get there when you're when you're down there and they're talking about it how do they explain an exercise like this for them, they just kept saying, we're trying to survive until we get out of here. Um, it's funny, as a civilian, it doesn't sound like much. The, 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 the Edmonton guys were in the camp on the ice for 48 hours dealing with the cold. That's two days. Doesn't sound like a lot when you put it in 40 hours. For them, it was like there's all these like little conscious things that they were trying to focus on. You can't go into a tent with your gear on because then you'll sweat, you'll come out, you'll get hypothermia because your sweat will then freeze. They just kind of kept. Uh, I haven't seen Star Wars. They keep. Uh, they kept saying it was a lot like the planet Hoth. <laughs> okay. Do you know an ice planet? <laughs> no, no idea. Are you familiar? No, but Reed was, would they, be. They, no, were, but... they were talking a lot about Star Wars. Um, so wait a second. Had they never done this sort of thing before? They trained for it, but not done it. So this—it's three PPCLI. They are actually a paratroop 
group. This is their company. This is what they do. Their okay. job is to parachute in, deal with the objective, and then Winnipeg soldiers came in and kind of took over, and they were on the ice for five days. So these guys, they jump for a living. They're training constantly, jumping out of planes. They're do- paratroopers, it's not like they're skydiving, right? They jump out and their chute goes. Yeah. So their job is trying to land well without injuring themselves so that they can set up a camp. So this wow. was the first, this yeah. is the farthest north our Canadian forces have ever done a training exercise like this, which I find really interesting. There was an Arctic ram two years ago, but it just wasn't quite this far north. So what was your impression having, and I want to know what they did with you guys, or with you specifically, since you were <laughs> delayed there for so long. Yeah. Looking back on it now, though, were you left with the impression that, wow, I'm really proud of our armed forces? Were you, I mean, what, what, what do you think? I, uh... I texted Jalen the moment I, I got service when I got back in Edmonton, and I mean everyone knows how passionate she is, and I just said I get it. Like, yeah. Um, m- just money well spent. Like I'm a penny pinching taxpayer, and honestly, like I, I don't know that I've ever really thought about how much we value them. Or and often I say, you know, I don't really believe in war, so do we need an army? Right. That, you know that kind of thing. Um, these guys are amazing. The sacrifice they give. I mean, it was a lot of fun just getting to be one of the guys with them and play cards and talk about the jumps because, you know, one of the guys I interviewed, this was his 60th jump. Think about how many times you have to jump out of plane and not freak out and, and land huh. it without, you know, breaking a leg or whatever. Um, some of the stories that really stuck with me, and I kept thinking about how our listeners would react because often we talk about first responders or soldiers, if it's too hot, get out of the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't take the heat. Um these guys have such a passion for protecting and, mm-hmm. and serving our country and one another, and they do, they see that it's worth the sacrifice, but it doesn't mean it's it, it's not easy. Um, one of the guys that I got really close with, he had served six months in the Mediterranean, which I think anyone would be like, that sounds amazing. Like that life experience <laughs> of going from a war zone, an active war zone, to Rome for the day, and or to to Paris or whatever it might be. But then he said, my I left. Two days after I found out my wife was pregnant, I came home six months later. She looked like a completely different person. I'd missed her entire pregnancy. And then there you have satellite phones. It cuts in and out. And, he, you know, it creates animosity for anyone who's done long distance with Skype. Like, there they didn't have Skype. You know, it's cutting out. You're yelling. Are you there? And, yeah. and like, you don't... You He had two children at the time. Yeah. He said, I come home and my children don't recognize me because, you know, they were at that age where... They were so young, they didn't really remember who I was. And then I'm this awkward stranger in the house. And I think Hmm. that's when you talk about uh, the strength behind, you know, the military families, the strength behind the soldiers, right? I mean, you can have so much respect for the men and women who put on that uniform, but you have to have a huge amount, in my opinion, you have to have a huge amount of of respect and admiration for the the men and women who are behind and Mm -hmm. the kids who have to deal with it. You know, I had a friend of mine who said she had to get used to a new husband pretty much every time he came home he'd be deployed for nine months he'd come home and then you're used to being paying all the bills yeah. doing all of this and then having to learn how to build that relationship and get that relationship back mm-hmm. on, and, on on track and you know, that's the reason I asked what your impression was I've had the the privilege and opportunity to be involved in something like that and it's the focus of the men and women in, in uniform that is so for me it just strikes you as something you've never seen before and it might even be a mechanism for it might even be their mechanism for dealing with what they're doing. Yeah. That they put all their energy, all their focus, they know what they're there to do, and they don't want to go home without doing it successfully, and that's their focus. And they have to put everything else they do. on the yeah. shelf and behind them. It's, it's, 
I don't know the right word, admirable, but it's 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 really just something to see as a civilian. Oh yeah. You know, but that experience it, you're it talking was, about, it was my hard. goodness. It, it was honestly hard to leave. They were all going stir crazy. <laughs> and I just kept thinking, I don't know if I want this to end. The fact, it, it really felt like I was back in residence in the way that you come out to the common area, there's always someone to watch a, a TV with. Yeah. You know, there's always someone to sit down and have a conversation with. And I mean, their stories are fascinating. They're not talking about the latest restaurant they went to. They're talking about how they survived a roadside bomb in Afghanistan. Right. You know? You know what, Kels, hold on for a couple seconds. We do have to take a break. I'm curious to know just a little bit more about the community of Resolute. Oh, I want to tell you all about it. As, as well, because <laughs> I, I, you lucky duck had a chance. This is the 630 Ched Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Ched, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Producer Kelsey joining us in studio. Finally getting a chance to talk with her. I had her scheduled in every day last week when you Just were away. a no-show every day. Huh. I, I followed uh, with great interest your Facebook posts. Uh, they were very entertaining, and in fact, they became something I would read over my coffee in the morning. But I was curious to, to ask, if you're stranded, I mean, I've been stranded in a in a gold mine in, in the Northwest Territories, or, you know, or the Arctic, wherever the heck it was, Yukon. They... Um, they have entertainment facilities. They, I mean, it's a, it's a drag that you can't leave, but there's great food. And, you know, what do they do with you for several days? See, I was the exception because I was the lone media member left by the very end. Everyone else had gotten out there. But I was supposed to go take a seat with the 90 other Edmonton soldiers to come back here on their aircraft. So they tried to keep me busy. I got to go into the community of Resolute three times, and I could have gone every day for the next year and still not taking in everything I wanted to take What in. did you think when you, yeah, I mean, it's run, there's a huge generator you, as you're going out towards the, the Arctic Training Facility, which is where Kelsey stayed. Um, you, you go by the whole big, huge generator that runs pretty much the town and the dogs. Yeah, the dogs is something that I kept wanting to talk to them about because um, polar bears are a huge problem for this community. First of all, population 229. Half of the population is youth. And, um, you know, we talk about um, polar bears being, you know, a, a special, a, you know, restricted hunting. There, they don't have a big enough population to hunt them enough to keep their numbers down. So they have a really interesting take on trophy hunters, where we say that under our breath, and they're awful people that hunt beautiful animals. They love trophy hunters because they need more people up there to control it. They see up to 13 polar bears a day come through the community, and that's what these dogs are here for. They keep dogs chained to different leashes around the entire um, border of the entire community and throughout in their little alleyways and they act as polar bear warning alarms. They bark and that's supposed to let them know that a predator is coming into their community. What are they doing up there? I mean, what what are they doing? You know, it was amazing. They, they, like I said, it was a forced relocation in the late 1950s and then it was uh, just over a decade later, I think that the government said, you know what, if you want to leave, we'll let you leave and about 40 people left. That's it. Everyone else said, this is our home. You get used to where you are. And a lot of them have no interest in leaving. The only frustration they have is that there's not a whole lot to do for the younger kids. Everyone snowmobiles up there. Um, but, there's not a whole is, lot to do what, for the younger kids. But what about work and, and Pat? Like, yeah, like what are you doing there? I kept asking about industry 
Uh, not really. There isn't a lot of work up there. There's an ATCO building. Um, ATCO does kind of everything for them. They deal with the sewage. They come up. They they maintain uh, all the stuff on the on the base there, and and work with the continent the polar continental shelf program. That's kind of they deal with all the researchers of the Arctic at that base in in Resolute Bay. Um, but mostly, like they they hunt like crazy. Is they, there a police officer? Yeah, there's two RCMP officers. Are you kidding me? That is a post. Mm-hmm. What do you have to do to that? get that posting? You know, they and they brought their families with them. I actually got to meet oh. both the families, and they did a little tour of the Globemaster, the plane we took back before we left. Um, yeah, that's just, they've become a part of the community. Kelsa, a couple of people have texted in because uh, they had said, you know, the, the northern lights up there were supposed to be spectacular. Did you have a chance to see any? No, no? and that's what's crazy. They aren't supposed to be spectacular up there. It's too far north. We actually for the kind north- of look down the other way, yeah, right? Yeah, for the yeah. northern lights, and this, this isn't the season for it. It was funny how the the people when I talk to the locals they actually talk about like it's like post-apocalyptic you miss the dark days they kept sending to me saying to me because um, through the winter they have 24 hours of darkness and now we're starting to see sun and we had about five hours of daylight but not true sunlight and it was that has got to be the highlight for me just watching that sunrise blend into the sunset Meanwhile, the moon doesn't leave the sky, huh. and you just you're surrounded by these bright pinks and purples, and it, and they would reflect off of the landscape because it's so white, and you would not be able to tell where the landscape ends and where the sky begins. I know you shot a, a lot of video. You talked to a lot of people. There's a couple of videos up on the 630 Ched uh, page already. Um, I, I'm guessing that there's more to come. Oh yeah, I have. Uh, I'm gonna. I have blogs that I wrote every single okay. day, and I'm trying to weave in little quick video bits so people don't have to sit nice. there. One thing to mention, I did put up a. Fi- it's about a five minute video, and I wanted to prove that I was up there because I was pretty sure every time I got detained <laughs> that said that I was in Mexico or something because <laughs> I had nothing to show for it. it. It took six and a half hours for me to up upload that video just to our Google Drive, not even because YouTube was blocked yeah. up there, but because their internet runs off of satellite. So if there was any bit of snow, it would stop everything. Their internet would stop working. Isn't mm. that crazy? Okay. Well, uh, well that's the deal breaker you know, for me right there. The trip of a lifetime for really you, was. and you, you, the smile on your face kind of says it all there, and I'm glad... Uh, I'm glad you had a chance to go up there and do it. I think it's fantastic. Phenomenal. All righty. Looking forward to seeing what you put together. The 630 Chet Facebook page. Keep an eye on it for it right there.